going public and attracting institutional investors are the hallmark of a successful IPO. But what are the critical elements to get there? I can summarize them into seven pointers. 1. Capitalization. Is the company well capitalized? That means that the company has enough revenues, sustainable debt, and assets that will demonstrate that the company will survive in the medium to long term. However, there are exceptions. In one sector for example healthcare companies. They are allowed to go public even though their revenues don't exist in the medium or long term. The Hong Kong stock market only allows such companies to register and be traded since these companies need capital but cannot generate such revenues until the healthcare regulatory bodies permit their drug sales. Another group that has been allowed to register to fall into the technology sector, telecom or software companies, since the market, believes that faster growth increases greater tractions and increasing grow markings. However, this latter group is falling into greater scrutiny. 2. Business Model Does the business model demonstrate some key expertise whether through technology or market size to withstand changes in the marketplace or challenges by competitors? Throughout Silicon Valley, that is defined by the number of patents and other IPs. IP creates a barrier to entry from other competitors. In other market sectors, that can be defined by the market share that is capable of controlling verticals and suppliers. How a company is structured relates to the type of business model. A business model is impacted by its incorporation structure that maximizes revenues, reduces tax, and provides a transparent corporate management venue. To attract institutional investors, the company must demonstrate transparent corporate management structures. Offshoring corporations cloud such transparency, for example, Cayman or Panama, as they reject institutional investors' ability to look at the corporate structure and internal management to mitigate investment risks. In fact, such offshore companies want to avoid scrutiny and know that these countries afford such privacy. 3. Define Milestones A company's valuation is defined not simply by its current operations but also by its future endeavors. Indeed, the business school stock valuation model states that a traded stock is the cumulative present value of future cash streams. Another way of looking at it revolves around the addressable market's potential, is it big and will it continue to grow? Another approach is to perceive what other potential lines of revenue can this company develop? I once addressed this problem as the one-trick pony in one of my earlier blogs, is this the only market possible for this company? 4. Fundamental and Strategic Investors I once worked for a company that never should have never gone public because it missed many elements to be successful. Indeed, it was never profitable and never reached profitability. However, George Soros was an early investor. I cannot think of any investment banker that would not want to be on the same board of directors with George Soros. Even if the underlying company had been a lemon like this one, any banker would salivate to have potential deals with Soros. Another early investor was Goldman Sachs, one of the world's leading investment banks. Then, when the company sought interim debt financing, it was raised through Lehman. This strategy is fairly obvious, these are knowledgeable investors who came in early. Third parties would conclude that these investors have long, successful careers and are very capable of due diligence. This approach led to the company's successful IPO which would not have happened without the early notable investors. 5. Management Team A major weakness I identified in Theranos is its manager's lack of direct experience in hematology by both the senior management team and the board of directors. That is a recipe for disaster. Not one senior manager had the right expertise. 
And a team is not only identified by its expertise but also by experience in working for a for-profit company. In one of my many cases of due diligence, I questioned one startup where the founder had spent decades as a university professor but had zero experience in running a for-profit company. I pointed this out to the investment committee. The founder however attracted another less hesitant investor and received financing, but the founder returned to teaching a year and a half after that funding after the company exhausted its capital. I was proven right. 6. Sell-side support. Overly subscribed are the keywords you want to hear on the day of the IPO. It means that you sold all your shares, and many others were still interested in purchasing. After a roadshow where the company trumpets its business to key investors from a leading investment bank, the targeted audience will pencil in on the order sheet for thousands of the company's shares before the day of the IPO. Institutional investors purchase in hundreds of thousands, not hundreds. That will automatically push up stock prices. The IPO becomes then a formality, not an objective. A decent investment bank makes the effort to minimize risks for an IPO. As general counsel, I had access to the IPO calendar where the CEO makes presentations every hour to different, well-funded audiences picked by the investment bank in major cities, both domestic and international. Only neophyte companies believe that selling their stock occurs after an IPO. A successful IPO is defined by having its shares sold before the IPO. 7. Economic Environment Even if you hit the right notes to achieve the IPO, there are situations out of someone's control. The best example is where the overall domestic economy heads south, a severe recession. In 2022, 85% of 2021 IPOs are being traded at less than 50% of their initial IPO pricing. Goldman Sachs deals have dropped over 80% from last year and the bank is now laying off bankers. Institutional investors invest in financial instruments to have positive returns for the endowments or retirement funds. Again, in an earlier blog, institutional managers force them to make reasonable investment decisions, and investing in IPOs that drop in value runs against that mandate. And the fact that they are not participating in this current economic environment is reflected by the investment banks currently reducing their personnel, fewer deals are happening. These institutional investment managers will reallocate their assets into bonds or other instruments that can retain their value during a recessionary period. So, there are two ways to survive in this economic environment until an IPO-postpone the IPO or do a shelf registration, completing the paperwork but delaying the actual day of the IPO. Mm-hmm.